Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another sunny day in an empty capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Paul Richards, Managing Director of Aquarian Cladding Systems, the sole UK distributor of Geobrick Insulating Brick Cladding Systems. Paul, hello. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for coming on the program today. Uh, Now, normally, uh, we'd charge headlong into the subject of leadership, but considering the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you how this has affected your business. Well, uh, in terms of uh, deliveries, we're we're firmly in the construction industry, so with a lot of sites being being locked down, um, deliveries have, uh, have pretty much dried up in May. Um, we, we made a few deliveries in April, but so that was early on in the month. Um, but uh, the indicators are that uh, things are back to uh, spring back into life with a uh, with a burst in June, particularly. So we're thinking that um, what we didn't deliver in May could very well be delivered in June. Now, have you had any problems supplying materials through the supply chain? No, thankfully, no. We're an importer. We bring materials in from uh, our partners. Either systems are based in Belgium. And, um, and and they have been running, albeit with skeleton staff. But uh, again, they they've uh, they kept going um, as of our business. We've we've not furloughed anyone nor have they, so that we can continue to provide a, a service um, to uh, to prospective customers as well as those that were on site at the moment. So you don't feel that this is going to cause a long term effect on the business. Um. I don't think it's going to cause us a long-term negative. I see more positives than negatives. It's given us a chance to look at things that perhaps previously we wouldn't have had time to do. We're a small business. We run very lean, so we don't have a huge amount of time to uh, invest uh, in uh, new ideas and new thoughts that we can discuss. And We come up with lots of ideas, but we don't always implement them just because of a lack of time uh, and, and other demands on us. So this has actually given us a chance to look at a few things, things like we're developing an app, um, for um, part of our supply chain, um, we've made some deep inroads into going down the Isa Nine One route, which which we've which we've been having on the radar for a while. So we see it more as a positive. The other thing we're looking at as well is is everybody is working from home. We probably wouldn't have been brave enough to take on a decision to allow people to work from home, but actually it's working very well, and um, and, and we're now looking at things in a much more uh, I don't know, perhaps enlightened way, we're, 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 you know, that idea of, of um, checking in at nine o'clock and checking out at five o'clock and measuring people by input. Um, um, you know, we're, we're looking into um, how can we get the right attitudes and, and uh, develop a, a, a culture whereby it's more about the output. Um, and if people can work from home and are happy to work from home, then um, we're happy to allow them to work from home. Of course. Well, we should move on to the subject of leadership. I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? Um, I think that it's the person um, that um, is at the helm that is looking um, two steps ahead of everybody else. Um, and, and where the land may lay in six, nine, twelve, eighteen months, five years time, um, and it's my job to be aware uh, as a leader of our business to be aware of what might be coming, um, and uh, and be proactive rather than reactive. 
Um, so to challenge the way that we do things, um, uh, identify some of the trends that are happening within within industry. So for me, leadership is being brave enough, if you like, to take yourself outside of the of the day to day and 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 try to get your your, your crystal ball and, uh, and and plan where you need to get to, and then be the first one over the trenches so that the staff, uh, you know, I'd never ask anybody to do anything I wouldn't be 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 willing to do. Um, so, so lead by example. Let's go back to the beginning of your career when you first started off your working life. Did you have any particular role models? I did. Yeah, I did. I mean, it's interesting. I, I, there were. I started my career working in a builders' merchants' yard at sixteen, and and I was the one that they sent down the back to count the bricks and timber. Um, um, and there were there were the guys within the office that I that I looked up to, managers, etc. Um, but um, I probably learned probably to develop my own patterns and taking bits and pieces from each of them. But but um, it probably wasn't until I was probably in my early uh, maybe early twenties that um, I um, really looked up to my old MD and, um, and to to an extent since he retired we still kept in touch. And uh, I often think in my times of doubt of myself in terms of what decision to make, uh, what would Clive do um, in this position in that kind of if you like, is my sort of uh, my, my ghost MD now for me. So, um, so yeah, he was my role model. Of course, it's so important to have those sort of role model uh, relationships. Do you have any uh, people that you've taken on as mentees the, uh, these days? I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that they that, that my colleagues look up to me and and uh, and look to me for for leadership guidance, advice, not just from a business perspective, but also as a friend, a colleague someone that you know at the end of the day they can come and have a chat with if they've got other issues going on in their lives that uh, they just want to they want to vent or whatever it might be and uh, so yeah I'd like to think so right across the spectrum we we employ a guy who's who's in his 60s we employ a, uh, a young lad who's in his early 20s and right across the spectrum male female um, and um, yeah I, I think I've probably had conversations with each of them at different times that are nothing to do with the business but more to do with the their own personal journeys in life and and um and i'd like to think that uh, uh, they respect that perhaps they wouldn't ask me if they didn't now do you feel that it's important for young people to know any particular things when they enter the workforce such as well i i work from the bottom up i you know i didn't have any qualifications uh, in in terms of university or anything like that and, and it's my work ethic and uh, that's that's got me to where i've got to and and for me that's paramount this is the work ethic I, i'm looking for can do not not give people that that, that give me excuses and, and reasons why they can't do something so, mm. so yeah i'm looking for so it's um, being able to put your my, nose down and and, and work hard uh, i think i think work smart Work smart. I, I don't, you know, we don't measure people by by you know the grunt of coming in at eight o'clock and leaving at at, at seven o'clock. I, I, it's all about working smart, uh, and that's what I'm more interested in. And, and if I can find, if, if if a colleague comes up with an idea that uh, makes us more effective, and we don't have to put the energy into it, then uh, then I'm all for that too. I, I, we don't have to, you know, put our nose to the grindstone and and uh, do that every day. That's that's uh, you can't keep that up. Now, unfortunately, our time together is beginning to uh, draw to its close. But before I let you go, if I was to ask you to objectively identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Oh, that's a question. Um, 
isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you caught me with that one. Um, it is tricky. There well, are I mean, so many I'll probably, I'll probably, from. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the reality, isn't it? You know, I mean, they're kind of the likes of uh, Mahatma Gandhi in terms of, of uh, leading a, an entire, you know, uh, change and revolution. You, you, you know, they're, they're, I don't know, are they cliched Gandhi and, and Mandela um, and Churchill? Are they? I don't know if they're, if they're cliched, but well, the, um, the they're, the about... obvi- they're the obvious ones that spring to mind. But I'm sure there are some more modern day ones that uh, I do. I do have a sneaky, you know, I, I do like rightly or wrongly, and I know he's Marmite, but I do like the 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 uh, the, the Elon Musk um, mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh, fact that he'll challenge and do anything. Of course, he crosses the line perhaps from time to time, but uh, mm. I do like that. I do like that whole idea of, of challenging the status quo as a leader. Maybe not, but uh, but there are, there are perhaps there are others I can uh, given a bit more time I could come up with. But uh, yeah, perhaps the old cliched ones of, of uh, Mahatma Gandhi and uh, Mandela, those kind of people that inspire people to make a difference. Well, the whole thing about cliches is that they're usually true. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, unfortunately, <You're> right. <laughs> uh, the last grain of sand has fallen through the glass, uh, and we need to go. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for aquarium cladding? I, I, I'm excited by our opportunities. We, we put together a five-year business plan at the end of last year, um, and interestingly, in the 13 years that I've been putting business plans together, um, I didn't see any of the headwinds of the financial crash, um, uh, the, the terrible tragedy of Grenfell, um, Brexit, and now coronavirus, all of which have had headwinds for the business. Um, and I guess the benefit of all of those things is that um, it's taught me that nothing ever stays the same. Um, and uh, and as long as that we're flexible and agile and adaptable, um, then, uh, then we can adjust as a business. And we've got some good people that we employ with some great ideas and so yeah it's going to be a challenge it's going to be tough we don't know quite what lies ahead but um um we'll i think we'll 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 see some opportunities and, and we'll make the best of it and uh, and we'll come out the other end so it's never dull um uh, always challenging but um uh, yeah I'm, I'm i'm up for the up for the challenge well paul it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program today and you have to come back on when things get back to some sort of uh, normal state and we can have you, a more in-depth conversation then thank you thank you thank you thank you that was paul richards managing director of aquarian cladding systems and now if you haven't heard it before is jonathan white's exclusive interview with sir jeff hurst uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool. Many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and... um, yes, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, <laughs> I guess, with one or two injuries. Um but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me. 
uh, over that period of time mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it Peters I think probably well I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did again mm-hmm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looks upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, 
uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially with Seven Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years, he it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with, with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people... And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learnt over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly... Um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing... Um, in it, only a few games before I was I was playing, and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia. Only a couple of months before the final, and it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. so I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position and somewhat fortuitously I only got back in the team because of a a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know, in that 66 competition, the 
prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had we were very I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals um, we had some great players but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with you know over the years and Jeff I've got to ask and I'm, I'm not making this up I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both there's too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked: Did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that's." Uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance around, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you in two. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, in most stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then, but we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You've want, you got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. On this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> What a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, 
Uh, well, uh, and we, that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but I, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did. Uh, um, it did make then again, laugh if you that if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... It would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really. Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today, uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven years that. Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. 
And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the answer is straightforward. answer is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back on an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude (laughs) alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, Jeff, uh, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks 
um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.